Hello and welcome to Subscriptions for Authors. So this is actually the last session at the Subscriptions for Authors Summit 2023. And your keynote speaker is me. It's a shorter session, but a session where I get really personal. And I think, I think you'll enjoy it a lot. Shares a lot of behind where I think the future of publishing is headed and why I think that, which has been based off of my experience as an author, why I'm passionate about subscriptions, and where, where, where and why I think this is all going. So I think you're going to enjoy this a lot. And if you want more sessions like this, then you definitely want to check out the 2024 Subscriptions for Authors Summit. You can find all the information about it linked down in the description. You get your ticket and join us in person. We'd love to have you with us. And if you can't make it in person, we also have a virtual summit taking place in May that we'd love to have you at. But I hope you enjoy this session. Like I said, this is the last one of the summit. We'll be back to regular scheduled podcasting soon, but you're also going to see some episodes in here for the boot camp and their fireside chats, which are going to be fun. So I hope you enjoy those too. But in the meantime, let's get in to the last session. We're going to get started now with the final session of the subscriptions for Authors Summit 2023. My name is Michael. Probably all know me, at least if you've been in this room, because I've been the host for many of these sessions, but I'm the co-founder and CEO of Ream. I'm a sci-fi thriller author. I've written a few nonfiction books and I'm in college, but that's just a little bit about me. I want to share with you why I'm a storyteller, how I became a storyteller and what story we all get to create as authors for this industry. And I want to say that in the end, I hope you really come away with one big takeaway, one big takeaway, which is that everything in this industry is about community and everything in this world is about finding belonging with others together, together. We are stronger and alone, alone is hard alone, dark things can happen. And I'm going to tell you how my passion for storytelling and when I was disconnected from CUNY, when I was maybe even disconnected from myself, nearly killed me. And no, I'm not being hyperbolic. And I'm going to share how that same problem, that same fatal flaw in my own thinking and in the very fabric of this industry is threatening, not just to, I'm fine, I'm happy, I'm actually elated, have a great weekend, so don't worry about me but it could actually destroy our society. And that might sound like a really big deal. I know I'm not talking about AI, I'm talking about anything like that. I'm talking about us as humans and how we choose to approach this world and that there's something dangerous lurking here, something dangerous. So let me share what happened to me. It goes back to when I was probably eight or nine years old, I found Hank Green on YouTube and I'd always been a very big reader, but when I found SciShow, the particular YouTube channel SciShow, probably watched like several thousand videos. They had a lot, they had a huge catalog. I watched every video. And it was just, for me, the coolest thing to think about the future. And I think that what was cool about the future for me was that it didn't exist. Like the future is fictional, right? The future is fiction just by nature because we don't ever know what's going to happen. Very naturally, I guess my passion for the future and my passion for reading combined into a passion for writing. So I wrote like probably so many of us almost compulsively, which is what I love to do. 
But I didn't really turn to writing. I didn't really become a storyteller until I needed the story. It wasn't just something I wanted to do, it was something I needed to do. And this happened when I was in middle school. Growing up, I moved from Long Island to Charleston, South Carolina. And in the middle of that, my parents had gotten divorced. And I was really unsure what had happened in my family. All I knew is that one day my parents were very happy together, the next day we weren't, and something seemed very wrong. And as I got to see my parents, single mom taking care of me, paying all the bills, and I'd go see my dad every once in a while, I started to feel very uncomfortable about what my childhood was, who, what ha happened in my family. And with this discomfort, with this insecurity, I started writing. And all of a sudden I had written what I didn't know at the time was, but it turned into a novel. And then that one novel turned into a second novel. And right when that happened, right when that happened, I was turning 15 at work. Yes, I think I was turning 15 at the time or 14. I don't even know the ages anymore. I have no idea. I was a certain age and I found out what had happened to my family. I found out that my dad growing up was a sports gambler and he took all our family's money. And you can imagine in the end, the house always wins. And it was that secret addiction that no one knew about that ended up tearing our family apart. And it ended up making me, someone who didn't know about this growing up, look up my dad, who I love so much and totally question, who am I? Look, I, I wanted to be a man like him, but do I wanna be like that anymore? And I told myself in that moment that I was going to be different than him. I was going to work to pursue my dreams and to be the best version of myself. And for me, that meant becoming a storyteller because that's what had gotten through those hard times. That was the only way I could process all the pain I was feeling. And I could not imagine a world where I wasn't able to share those stories, share that pain with others to hopefully help them get through what they were going through. So many of us listened to some of the indie publishing podcasts just back in 2017 and decided, yeah, I can do this whole publishing thing. Why not? I want to do it. My mom was very supportive. She was driving me to take my job, even though she had a job herself because I wanted to save up all my money not to buy a car, to get myself to work. It's a very common thing that kids do in high school, save up money to buy a car for themselves. Instead, I wanted to save up money to publish my books. So that's what I did. And I remember by the time I got to the end of my junior year of high school, I decided that I wanted to graduate early. So I graduated that year and I wanted to focus on writing full-time. Like so many of us, like that dream of just, this is what we love. This is what we want to do. We can't see ourselves doing anything else, but it's very challenging. And I just figured I'll go all in, I'll go all in. And I didn't really know many writers, if any, I was a lurker in all the Facebook groups. So I like got a lot of great information from it, but I never really met other writers. So I was quite insecure and I was really searching for validation that like my work, my writing was good enough, that I was good enough. And I remember thinking, I was scared to like really put myself out there, to put my stories out there in a real way. And it felt just so much easier to try and see what the algorithms could give me, see what the ads could give me, see what I could do just by following a set formula, a set way of doing things. So I did. And 
that formula has worked for a lot of writers and it still can work. No, nothing wrong necessarily with that formula. But I didn't really take the leap to really be truly independent, really build my own space, really make myself not dependent, my self-worth on a number that a machine would feed back to me, whether that machine was feeding me Kindle Unlimited page reads, a ranking in Amazon, a CPC and a Facebook ad. You all know the metrics. In fact, the metrics became addicting for me. It became something that I would check incessantly. And that all of a sudden, when I should have been writing, I would be worrying about how my latest ad was doing. I would be worrying about, are the page reads coming in like I thought they were? And then every day too, I'd have this sort of paranoia in the back of my mind of, is the dashboard broken? Is it not showing it correctly? Is this, am I supposed to have three or four times more read than this? It was this the day I was supposed to break out and I just never realized it. The dashboard was very rarely broken, but what was broken was the way that I approached my passion, the way that I approached storytelling, but I did not know that. So I kept writing, but eventually me continuing to write led to burnout because writing a book a month, running the ads, COVID hits, a lot going on. And it was a low margin business. I maybe made 12 or $300 a month in royalties. I spent $1,000 of that on ads. That's not a very high return when you're trying to spend money on covers and editing. In fact, it's pretty much no return. And I was just, again, obsessed with this cycle of numbers. But I started a YouTube channel. I got into college and I was like, wow. Okay, maybe I should do YouTube right now. I've always had a passion for YouTube. It's Hank Green, who's an author who got me interested in storytelling in the first place, made me believe, oh, he was just a guy with a camera that kind of went online. I guess I could be a guy with my words, but maybe I could be a guy with a camera too. Maybe I'm not supposed to be a writer. Maybe I'm not supposed to be a writer. Maybe I'm supposed to be a storyteller in a different way. There's never a question that I should have been a storyteller, but maybe it was something different. So I did YouTube. And after several weeks of uploading videos, the numbers were looking good. The numbers were looking real good. I had about 600,000 views and had made more money in AdSense off of YouTube, about $2,000 than I had ever made in profit off my books because I didn't really spend anything to make these videos. They were just vlogs in my life. But as I discussed, I liked the numbers a lot. That was where I got my self-worth from. And all of a sudden, I found myself feeling, I guess I can't be a writer. There's no way. YouTube is making me feel like I'm so much better at my. This is what I'm clearly good at. Look what this machine's telling me. Meanwhile, if I was to be honest here, I was so much more passionate about my fiction. I was so much more passionate about the stories I was telling. But I followed the numbers. And we'll see where following the numbers got me. We'll see where that got me. Because the views didn't keep coming at the level they were. And I started to panic. They started to crash, in fact. One month, I had about 450, 500,000 views on the channel, all long-form content. Next month, I had 30. And I was like, oh my God, it's all over. It's all over. It's all over. My dream's dying. And I panicked. And that's when I decided to buy a school bus. And it's a weird reaction, but I wanted to go on a road trip. Because I figured 
my life, just vlogging my day-to-day isn't very exciting. So why don't I just turn my life into a movie, turn my life into one of the sci-fi thrillers that I write, except maybe not the sci-fi, but definitely the thriller part. And that's when my roommate in college came with me and was like, yeah, I'll travel the country with you, man. Let's get in a bus. We were like completely going broke, absolutely like staying in places that my mom is not happy that I stayed in and in rougher areas of cities across the country. I'll put it that way. And we were doing this all in hopes of creating the next big breakout viral video. And that one video would change our lives. We were just gunning for it, right? Gunning for it. And we were really at this point chained to not only what algorithms wanted, but what we perceived this elusive market wanted, this market, whatever this thing was. And the market that we were going after was challenge-based videos, similar to ARAC. In fact, ARAC is one of the biggest YouTubers on the platform. He has about 13 million subscribers now. And when I was doing this, he was at about a million. And I wanted to go meet him. And at this time, I started to figure out that a lot of the challenge-based videos on YouTube, instead of like in the author world where you maybe get a newsletter swap or target someone on Amazon ads, on YouTube, you just instead show up in that human being's life and force your way to collaboration. That sounds really crazy, but Eric himself did this, where he would go to these influencer boxing fights and interview them. And then he would get those influencers' audience to watch his videos, and then he would slowly build up his own audience. It's called social hacking. And that's what I did, this sort of social trend hacking. And I was just so determined to make something work. Again, because I felt at this point horrible at myself. YouTube had gone up and went down. My books never really went where I wanted to. And I had spent basically my entire life up to this point of maybe past 13, just obsessed with storytelling, just obsessed with trying to make this happen. So it felt like all I had. It felt like all I had. So we decided that we should film a video that we thought would be exciting, which involved us going to a forest with no supplies in the middle of the night during a blizzard. That sounds like, it doesn't sound very, that sounds, we were like basically being a real life trope generator, except those tropes, we're not writing them, we're just acting them out. And we were trying to play out the trips that we thought were doing well on YouTube. And the night progresses, I will admit, when you don't have any supplies and it's a snowstorm and it's cold and it's a dark forest, it's not fun. Definitely not as fun as writing, but it also got me very tired. And let me remind you that we were filming videos across the country and road tripping. So we had another video to film. We were gonna go and we had ordered all these artificial rose petals to try and create a Valentine for the famous TikToker, Charlie D'Amelio. I wish that was a lie. I wish I was lying to you, but I'm not. And we needed to go get those rose petals and create the big Valentine the next day because we were on a tight filming schedule because we wanted to pump out as many videos as possible before we ran out of money to try and go viral. Does that sound familiar? Maybe in a different context, it will sound familiar. The thing is your books probably haven't killed you. My YouTube video almost did. I was driving 
in the middle of the night and fell asleep because I was so tired and so determined to get to the next place that we didn't even just stop and get a motel. We could have. And I crashed the car into medium. I'm okay. I'm in one piece. My roommate's in one piece as well. You would have thought that would have been a wake-up call. Literally. But took me another three months to really figure out what was going on. And that something was super, super broken. During this time, I started to think about technology and started to think about these platforms in a different way. Like one, after getting to college and meeting a bunch of people who were working on cool companies or software developers, I started to realize, oh, you can create a platform. Okay. That's interesting. If that's true, then like, how was YouTube created? How was Amazon created? And how did they make the decisions that they are making? Why did they do these things? You'll find out there's some interesting reasons. It might not be aligned with their best interests. But I also learned that I fundamentally was misaligned in what I was doing and how I was approaching my passion. I had let this passion really turn into an addiction and turn into something that had brought me to the brink of my life because I was chasing these extremes that I thought the world wanted from me. This might sound super individual, but this is what we do as a collective society. The stories we create are now in hyperdrive in the internet era. And our entire internet world is built on an addiction economy that wants your attention and it wants all of it. And ultimately attention and retention are not the same thing as connection. And we can get so caught up in these top line waterfall metrics without really thinking about what goes on in the brain. And it's funny because this is right when I decided to start studying some neuroscience classes in school. I actually just finished up my final yesterday for a class on mood disorders and emotions in the brain. I started to learn about the brain. I started to realize that we are in trouble because the same systems, and no, I'm not talking about AI or any of the recent buzzy conversations. I'm talking about the very foundation of how this industry works. An industry predicated on endless attention, endless transactional sales, retention over connection is ultimately going to drive us apart. It's going to gamify things. It's going to make us focused on the numbers. It's going to make us pit against each other for set rankings. And ultimately what it's going to do and what it is doing is tearing our society apart where we no longer have a shared community. We no longer are able to have shared spaces and where instead this very world that we live in, this very world that we live in, that storytellers rule, which I'll get to, is one that we've actually lost control of. It's one that we've actually let these deeper reticences of our mind placate to the worst of human psychology, all in the name of more profit for four companies. Something felt wrong about that. And that's when I started to realize, one, I should probably stop doing YouTube. It was a good, it was a good journey. My mom was really proud of me. She was like, Michael, I'm going to be able to sleep at night now. And I'm like, great. I'm not going to fall asleep while driving again. So all is well. But the big thing was that I wanted to get back into writing. And I wanted to start utilizing all the things I'd learned about the creator economy and try applying them to fiction. What is the creator economy, you ask? The creator economy is a movement away from big 
monolithic platforms to small communities, typically they're digital, that are focused on connection over retention and gamification. Connection. I had not really connected much throughout most of my life up to that point. I'm obviously this community is something that I've been very privileged to be able to partake in being able to help connect a lot of you. But that wasn't how I lived up to that point. I was scared to reach out to people. I was scared to connect with fellow humans. I was so focused on, I needed to get somewhere before I was able to be worthy enough to even connect with other humans. See, deep down inside, I wanted to make writer friends. I wanted to be connected in a community, but I thought I wasn't actually worthy. I gatekept myself. What, a, what an idiot in the age of no gatekeepers. I gatekept myself. But we all do this. We all do this. Because I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel good enough at my core. Therapy is a great thing. Meditation is a great thing. And finally waking up and realizing that no amount of numbers is ever going to make you feel like you are worthy if you don't allow yourself to feel that at your core. So I started trying to do that. And with that came a new sort of confidence, a new sort of passion that those numbers didn't really matter that much in the first place. And what I really was interested in doing was just connecting with my readers at the end of the day. I was interested in 13-year-old Michael who was depressed, felt alone, and who didn't know himself really at the end of the day, the world around him, and what his family was going through and wanted to try and navigate that and couldn't imagine doing that anywhere else but processing his emotions through a character on the pages of a fiction novel. And I wanted in that moment to secretly connect with other people who maybe felt just like me because I knew how lonely that felt. Now, I took a step back and I started writing again. And I want to start publishing again because that's what you do as a writer. You want your stories to get out into the world. If there was no money in this, we'd still probably all be sharing our stories with the world, right? Like, I know I would. I know I would. Why? Because that's what storytellers do. Stories is not something that happens in a vacuum. It is collaborative. Imagine if you had never heard a story in your life and then were asked to tell one. I wouldn't be able to do it. We all are an amalgamation, co-productive of our environment. That's a beautiful thing. It's also a dangerous thing. What I realized is that how I wanted to release my work out to the world, building a community, being able to actually build businesses, not centered around just selling more books, but instead being able to provide extra services to my readers, being able to provide greater immersion to my worlds, being able to provide greater connection that could make them avoid the same feeling of loneliness that I felt. So I looked at my options and was like, okay, there's Amazon and KU, there's TradPub. I was so nervous about how my mental health would respond to KDP that I actually considered TradPub. I booked meetings with agents through like conferences, really overpriced. It wasn't really worth it for me. No, no shade in the agents. They're great. It was just a thing. Really tried learning, really wanted to, I was desperate, really, I was desperate. And this was right about 15 months ago, not very long ago. 
I was also at the same time reaching out to technology companies because I knew the science fiction writer, I mean, knew that there was something coming, knew that we could change this, right? I believe we could change this, but I didn't know how. And that's when I met Amelia, actually through one of these technology companies. And they were essentially recruiting me because I had been interested in startups, had a lot of experience in publishing to try and join as a co-founder. And Amelia was their lead author. And I remember thinking to myself two things. One, these guys are interesting, but maybe not my type. They're maybe more publishing profiteers other than actual authors. But I remember meeting Amelia and going, oh, she's like totally kick ass. Look what she's doing. Wow. She's been able to make money off a subscription as a writer. I swear I didn't know that was possible until I met her. Did not know it was possible. Did not know it was a thing until like literally 15 months ago. I did not know a subscription as a writer was a thing. I knew of platforms like Patreon. I knew those things existed, but I just thought it was for podcasters. I thought it was for musicians and all these other people. I didn't think it was for writers. Truth is it wasn't really built for writers. That's why we built Ream, but there was something there, right? If she was able to make this work, other people could as well. And that's when my passion for realizing, I want to create this better future for fiction. One that isn't predicated where the atomical unit is a New York Times bestseller chart. The atomical unit is not a publishing house or an acquisition editor. The atomical unit is not an algorithm. The atomical unit is not a sales ranking. The atomical unit is instead a community. Not alone. That's the key word. Not alone. You can't just exist alone as an author. The ecosystem is your community. What would a platform, what would a tool look like that really fostered that from its DNA? Turned fiction into really what it was supposed to be. Back to the days when storytelling is what brought us together as a civilization. Back when we could actually put nuance around the conversations that engage our readers. Back when we could actually come together as one and discuss really tough things that other platforms and places might not even allow. That's why we started Ring. And we realized that subscriptions, this is way bigger than just subscriptions. This is about changing what it's like from day one to the end of your writing journey of centering the entire thing around CUNY, changing the whole writing journey. And that's why the first thing we did was start this Facebook group, Subscriptions for Authors. We didn't start building the platform, we built the Facebook group. And some people started joining. And all of a sudden, more people joined and more people. We didn't run any Facebook ads. We don't have a TikTok. We don't have an Instagram. We don't use social media. We use our community. And when I say use our community, I mean, we like use community as a tool. We use Facebook groups. We hope to connect you all. We hope to be with you all. And I tried to take every lesson that I had learned the hard way. And one, actually build something from the ground up as a community, what I had never done as an author, what I'd never done as a storyteller, but hopefully can do as a storyteller that's trying to uplift all of us. And then two, hopefully stop you guys from making those same mistakes. Hopefully stop y'all from driving yourself into the ground because you were loving a number that could never love you back. People love you and you all loved us. You all have showed us so much love over the last year. And you have not only changed our lives, but are changing this industry. Community, this collective of authors can change how publishing works. It can be more collaborative. 
And the whole business model can shift to instead being around endless consumption, being around endless connection. How much better would the world look like if that was true? We're doing that. We're doing that here. Every single day, we're growing stronger. And every single day, we're coming one step closer to a future where storytellers were the world, not numbers, not algorithms, not platforms, not publishers. And storytellers were the world does not just mean you all in this room. It means your readers too. We're all storytellers at our core as humans. Stories are what make us human. They've even domesticated our brains, literally. Like stories were our process of self-domesticating our minds. And we've now live in a world where navigating social problems with other humans is our biggest concern on a daily basis, not our own necessarily like survival survival. For instance, we have enough food to feed everyone in the world. Why don't we? Because socially things are messed up. Why are all these things broken? Not because they have to be, but because we don't work together. But what gets us to work together? What gets us to create a better world? Stories. And it's always been that way. It will forever be this way. And when we subjugate everything to having attention be the North Star metric, we lose that. We lose the ability to connect with our world, connect with others and collaborate. We lose that ability and it becomes an endless scroll, mindless scroll. Use, use those things, use those feeds. If you can funnel readers from them, but bring them to your home. One that you control. One that you actually get to roll over as a storyteller. A home that we all get to have together. That's why we started Reen. And we literally did this by authors, for authors, from the ground up, just like an indie author. We've totally bootstrapped Reen from the ground up. And are now able to, as a community, define what success looks like, define what our future looks like. One where we're accountable to each other, accountable to connection, and not accountable to some number that eventually loses meaning. Because our stories are about creating new meaning in the lives of our readers. Our story is about creating shared meaning so that ultimately our lives and the world will be a better place. We're going to create that future together. A future where storytellers rule the world. I can't thank you all enough for making my dream come true. I hope we can help make you and your readers' dreams come true too. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible together. And as I like to say, together, we are boundless. This concludes the Subscriptions for Authors Summit. And if you listen to all of that and we're like, maybe you're interested in joining Reem, we would love to have you part of Reem. We'd love to have you involved. This is just our early days. It's our book one, but we get to write book two together. Hell, we wrote book one together. I literally can't thank you enough. Literally like in the last year, my life has completely changed. This industry is now at the beginning of completely changing a true movement. And we have to remember as authors that we have to empower ourselves. We have to empower each other because storytellers rule the freaking world. I love you all. I'm really excited that you are here today. There'll be recordings for all these sessions.
That's it for me. That's it from us. We'll see y'all soon. We're doing the NATO Summit next year. All right. I'll peace out, everyone.